Happy Easter to you today. Welcome to Open Life and uh, glad you could join us. I love Easter. I love the message of Easter. I love the, the, the beauty of it. I love the words of the songs we just sang. And they're full of intent and purpose and, and beautiful meaning for life. But for some of you in the room, uh, they probably actually, some of those words of the sacrifice of Jesus, of the, Him having given His life, we're singing about death and, and resurrection and salvation and a bunch of words that might just be a little abnormal or easily misunderstood, I guess you should say. Uh, I, was, I was processing like, you know, I've gone into all kinds of venues and had experiences where it was just a little different. Like, I was unfamiliar with the space, and then I've been in a space where others were unfamiliar with the space. But the, the one that, that caught my attention this week that I thought was interesting is the space of a coffee house, a coffee shop, Starbucks. In fact, I spend a lot of time at my office here in Bonnie Lake one of the Starbucks, and I was there this week, and one of my Starbucks friends, I have a few, other people who are at Starbucks too much, I just call them my friends, and, uh, and, and so there's a couple of them there. One of them, Paul, he's an Alaskan airline pilot. He's got two iPads. Anyway, he, uh, he pulled up on one of them a clip. Maybe you've seen these guys, Duck Dynasty. Have you seen, have you seen this show? It's the number one watched on-demand cable show, right? And uh, yesterday, actually, we put a post on uh, our Facebook page of the, the grandpa from Duck Dynasty, like Sharon, how he made a decision to follow Jesus. It's, it's a pretty interesting story. You ought to go check it out at Open Life Church. But we were, we were uh, he's showing me this clip of them going to a coffee shop. And the responses on their faces were hilarious when the guy in front of them's like, you know, I'd like, blah, 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 rattles off this crazy order, temperature accurate. You know, it's just this long process. And, and they're with beards and all, just kind of staring at this guy like, you're a nut job. And he, you know, he's thinking, you're a nut job, right? It's that whole deal. And, and uh, so Paul, my friend, was just laughing. We were having a, a, a hoot. But then I sat back down because I was thinking about my talk. And, uh, and I've been in a coffee shop watching someone order for the first time, like a Starbucks. I've also been the guy in line freaking everybody else out, that they're looking at like I'm an alien. And I think I used to drink, now I just drink my coffee black, either, either straight Americano or straight black coffee. But there was a time when I was, uh, I would drink a double tall non-fat hazelnut latte extra hot and double cupped. And uh, they would always want to do like sugar-free hazelnut just because I was using non-fat milk and it tasted nasty, and so they would remake it. It was just kind of a constant, you know. And so I remember being in the St. Louis airport on my way to uh, somewhere. I don't know why you go to St. Louis, probably Missouri or something. And I was, uh, I, I was in the airport, and I ordered this at the airport Starbucks. They should have a constant flow of people. There was a big line. And so I just said, I'd like a double tall non-fat, isn't that latte extra hot and double cupped? And the lady kind of looks at me and she like props herself on the counter. She's like, slow down, son. You know, and she's just like, she's, and everybody in line is like, you know, and, and they finally, you know, they, 
they, they take a cup and they write my name on, what's your name, son? You know, she slowly writes all the letters and puts my name on the cup. And, and then she's like, she finally gets my order. She checks, you know, that order actually does check all but one box. And, and so they're checking all the boxes. And, and I remember it was kind of a hush and the line was getting longer. And then all of a sudden, you know, because I had to repeat it a few times, they make the order. And I'll never forget when the gal called it out. It was the funniest experience about it. If Twitter existed, I would have tweeted it. Uh, and so they, she, she calls it out. Um, fad, d- double tall, non-fat, hazelnut. She's like reading down the cup, you know, latte, extra hot dog cup. And everybody in line was like. <laughs> and it was the craziest moment, right? I'm like, it was just a coffee drink in Seattle. Like we'd be laughing at all these people. And I was inside, right? And I, and I, but I think sometimes, you know, we're kind of like, in, in, the faith is kind of like a Starbucks to people. Like, church is like a Starbucks to people. And maybe today you've walked in and, and you're intimidated by the menu. And depending on the church you walk into, they'll make you feel stupid on purpose, right? And I hope you, 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 you're guided through with the worship guide and stuff to help you know what's going to happen. But I have been to Starbucks before when that guy walks in. And he's look, you could tell they're new. They're like looking at all the menus and they're looking at the counter, and they look back up, and they're kind of confused, and they're like, uh, I don't know what to order. You know, that, it's that moment right there. They came in for coffee. That was their goal. But then they see all this stuff. They're like, I don't know how to order coffee. This menu is intimidating. And, and so they get to the moment where, where if they have the wrong customer service on the other side of the counter, they'll say, they'll just make them feel dumb a little on purpose. So when they say, I'd like a coffee, they'll go, what size? And then you're just like, oh, I don't know what size. I just want a cup. I want a cup. You know, coffee in a cup. And it's that moment. And I've seen this play out because I do spend too much time at Starbucks. And so, uh, and it's not just Starbucks. I'm not busting on Starbucks customer service. They actually have great customer service. And so I look at, I look at that moment and I'm going, sometimes the, the menu of the Bible and church can be really intimidating. And you walk in and you're like, I, I don't know what to order. I just don't, I don't know what this is all about. I don't understand. Do I want a, uh, just a taste? Do I just want a shot? Or do I want like venti and just go all in? Or do I want, you know, what do I want? And, and then we realize something during the course of the day hopefully makes you realize your name is on the cup. Everything's okay. You can sit back, relax, hear what the Bible says. Because it's going to give you a fresh perspective on life. And we get this kind of peace about us. In fact, often, and we're going to read at the end of today, Jesus, how he comes back on the scene after he raises from the dead. That's what Easter is all about. That God sent his son Jesus. That he lived a sinless life. He paid the price of sacrifice that God had demanded through the Old Testament of of life for life. But he gave his life for it. God initiated this opportunity for us to, through faith, embrace. He died on a cross, and three days later, he rose from the grave and freaked out everybody. Because they thought, good prophet, cool healer, awesome man, maybe demon-possessed, right? That's kind of what they thought Jesus was. But then all of a sudden, he did what all the prophecies foretold. He rose from the dead. Uh Uh-oh. 
<laughs> we killed the wrong guy, right? It was kind of a bad day. But he rose from the grave, which, which finalized everything. Like it's the difference maker for us. And that's what I want us to discover. It's so vital that he rose from the grave because otherwise he was just a really cool religious guy with some great ideas that caused a revolution. But it's more than that. In 1 Corinthians 15, I remember I didn't become a Christian until like later in life. And, and uh, I know you think I'm like really young because I am. 41. But anyway, no, 20 years ago, I made a decision to follow Jesus. And I was like, uh, I remember like two years later starting to pursue this thing called full-time ministry. I just felt that God wanted me to become one who would tell about the contents of Scripture and make it easy to understand for anybody, no matter whether they've grown up in church or not. And I was a not, right? And so I, I, I think it makes sense. I think it's uncomplicated, actually. But, but sometimes the menu is intimidating. So, so I remember reading 1 Corinthians 15. I was taking a class, and it was called 1 Corinthians. So it's this book in the New Testament, and I'm reading through it, and I remember getting to 1 Corinthians 15, and I didn't catch, like, the sarcasm in the author's tone. I thought he was serious, talking about Jesus not raising from the dead. And I, and I caught some of these passages. Listen to this. It says, Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel. By, the go- by this gospel, you are saved. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. I thought, I believed in vain? I just didn't catch like some of the other elements. It says in verse 3, What I received I pass on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried, that He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Peter. Then the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. The apostle Paul who was writing was the last one to make a decision to follow Jesus. And it was kind of this radical transformation. He was one killing Christians. And so I look at this and I go, uh, it, it continues. In verse 14 it says, If Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. It goes on in verse 17 and he says, If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. And I honestly was in a panic. I was like, what's this if stuff? Like, this is making me nervous. I hope he has, because I've put everything into this at that moment. It was a couple years into following Jesus, and I hadn't read this yet. I was like, I've put everything into this deal. I, like, believe this. This has changed my life. And I was freaking out reading it. And it's simple, though, right? It's, 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 a, bunch, it's a bunch of stuff called sin that we have in our life that Jesus has freed us from if it's true. And what I want us to catch today is it's so true. It's so true. We can put our faith in Jesus because with all these witnesses and all this testimony, he did raise from the dead and now sits at the right hand of God. He prays for us. He loves us. He's extending hope for us. Listen to what is said about Jesus hundreds of years before he came on the scene by this guy named Isaiah. He wrote it down. In Isaiah 53, verse 6, it says, and he was having a vision, right? 
He says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That God has put on Jesus the sin of all of us so that once and for all, it is finished. It is finished. Life has led each of us in a different way. We've each gone astray. None of us are perfect. There's no perfect people allowed here. If you are, man, you're in the wrong church because we're not. You know, it's like we are not perfect. None of us. Each of us to our own way. Maybe some of us are off by a degree and some of us have just, I know in my story, I, I full-on was going the opposite direction. And uh, the author of 1 Corinthians, he was going the opposite direction. He was killing Christians. But then Jesus got a hold of his life. And I think when God gets a hold of our lives, we're, you know, he just wants to put us back on mark. Sin is a term that means missing the mark. It's an archery term. And you can be off just a slight degree, but you're off. Or you can just be aiming at the wrong thing, and it's hunger games all around you. You know, it's just not a good day. So you got to be careful as to where you are aiming. John 3, 16, 17 kind of explains how God shifted this scenario for us. He says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that's what we come to celebrate today. Not, uh, we come to celebrate the reality that we've each gone astray, each in our own way. But God sent his son to redeem whatever percentage we're off. And I want to give you some visuals to help maybe catch this. How have you missed the mark? How have how, how, you know, to understand some of the words on this menu, vente, grande, right? It's like some of the words on this menu, like gospel and salvation and sin, and sin means missing the mark. Gospel means good news, but why do I need good news? Because sometimes we just, it's good news to know that we can be redeemed if we make a big mistake by going the wrong direction. And I think the perfect illustration for wrong direction is something that I saw on my birthday. I was watching the news, which I traditionally do around 10 o'clock at night, and I was watching this article on the sports section about a guy that they were really concerned about, a high school student, because he had really messed up. It was Oklahoma. It's the state playoffs. Sports are a huge deal. And uh, uh, there's a team that had won 21 games that season. Uh, the name of the school was Hugo. And they were up by one with 2.7 seconds left. Somebody on the opposing team that's down by one with 2.7 seconds left turns on his phone because he thinks he's going to catch like an amazing comeback. Like his team is going to somehow do something incredible. But this is what he caught on his cell phone. Something amazing. Now, here's what you just saw. The white team 
was throwing the ball in. They catch the ball. Trey Johnson, the person who caught it, was only supposed to kill the clock. In the heat of the moment, I guess there was 3.7 seconds there left, he saw a basket and decided to shoot a layup. But it was in the opposing team's bucket. This is the quarterfinals state championship. And he hits a shot for the other guys, for them to win and their team to get knocked out of the state playoffs. Favored to win it. Goes on national. I mean, it goes viral online, obviously. And everybody's concerned for Trey. And as you can hear, I would be too, man. That's a huge deal for a junior, a three-sport, like, amazing kid. He didn't go with the team on the bus home. His parents grabbed him and just whooshed him off. His team didn't come out and, like, beat him to a pulp on the court and leave him bleeding. The coach actually came and he said, you know what, Trey's a good kid. And he was on the media And I just want us to think, man, I think we've all done this in life at some point in time. Maybe we didn't have as drastically shocking of an experience. But you can hear what the crowd does. The crowd's like, no, no, no. You have one side going, no, he didn't. Yeah. And like that guy's like, he's stupid. You know, but, and then you have the other team just going, and, and there was a moment of silence. And then, no, 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 no. And I look at this, and I just like, This happens in life, and we simply need more than no. When you hear the crowd shouting, no, 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 I don't know about you, but I I have four kids. I have 10 and 10, identical twin girls. I have a five-year-old girl who thinks she's like 23 and ready to marry every boy she meets, and then I have a two-year-old. In fact, if you have a, a boy back in the preschool area, I'm sorry. Uh, your son's probably getting married right now to my daughter. But anyway, so, and then you have a, uh, uh, somebody's like, oh, it's one of those places. I better get back there. Just joking, actually. Uh, but, and then I have a two-year-old boy. The two-year-old boy loves it when we're putting the dishes away and we put down the dishwasher and, and the silverware tray is there and he's drawn to the knives with the black handles. And those are the sharp ones, right? And so he, he'll just grab it out and normally switch to the silver part. And you're like, <gasps> right? It takes your breath away to see that. It's painful to notice. And you're just going, what do I do so that he doesn't squeeze? I can't grab it and go, <clears throat> you know, <laughs> pick up the fingers. That'd be bad. So you're like, Preston, give it to me. But here's what the 10-year-olds do. And maybe the five-year-old, too. The five-year-old would probably grab it if she saw it. But the ten-year-olds, they do this. Well, that doesn't do anything to go crazy charismatic in the kitchen, right? So what, what they should have done is what we do. And we're trying to teach them. We come in and we're like, Preston. And it gets his attention because he hears his name. You're like, Preston, give me... The- the, the knife, and you're freaking out because you just are, right? And he'll usually, when you say Preston, oftentimes he'll just go and drop it. He knows he's doing something wrong. If that doesn't work, Preston Thaddeus Huff, right? It's like, here we go. We're just going to make this happen. And so you, but there's something magical. Isn't there something magical about hearing your name? The name is the most important sound, they say, to anybody's ears. Names are important. 
And so I, I look at this and I'm going, what would have happened to Trey Johnson if somebody, 3.7 seconds isn't long, you know, but what would have happened if somebody would have said, said Trey, no! I wonder if it would have caught his attention. Instead, it was just like, no, 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 right? I don't know, 3.7 seconds. You might think this only happens to high school kids. You want to know what's funny? The night before, Hornets versus Lakers. Hornets defend the wrong basket with just a few seconds left in the game. Kobe streaks down, dunks the ball, game over. Happened on March 8th of this year in the professional realm. We all go the wrong direction at times. That's why we need grace. That's why we need saving. We all are off mark at times, and we just need... Here's what I want you to catch in this next passage. Not only did God send his son Jesus for all of us, he sent Jesus to us, and he knows us by name. He's like individually interested in a relationship with each of us. He's better than any barista out there that might jot your name on a cup to make you know it's your order. God wants you to know the order of salvation, the death of Jesus, the resurrection, his ascending into heaven and promising us eternal life. It's got your name on it, not just a group of people's name on it, but your name individually. He wants relationship with you. That's what the gospel's about. It says it this way. Jesus is teaching those that are following him around, and he, he gives this illustration about a shepherd and a flock. He says this in John 10. He says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. Because this is why I listen. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Let me read the rest of this for you. It's not on your handout, but it's probably on the screen. It says, when he was brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand, so he explains. In verse 7, therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to still kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. You catching the visual here? Jesus going to the cross, laying down his life. Verse 12, the hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. Why do you think? 
because he calls them by name. And there shall be one flock, one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. He was telling him exactly what was going to happen, right? I'm going to the cross, I'm going to the grave, and I'm going to raise up again. And I'm coming back for you by name. Whether you were with him right then 2,000 years ago, or whether it's right now, he's come back for you. This message is for you so that you can get it. By name, God is interested in each of us. Mistakes happen. And we need to not hang our head and catch a ride home with mom and dad because we should be able to hear the coach calling us by name and saying, it's okay, mistakes happen. There's next year, there's next turn, there's the next time. We believe in you. And Jesus is saying that. God is saying that. Where are the other sheep in this scenario? We're supposed to listen to the voice of God, and Scripture is that moment of God speaking to us. It's beautiful. Today we're being called by name by God Himself. Jesus died so that God could restore a relationship with us. And I saw something on YouTube probably a while back, and it was a guy showing a simple illustration of, of the power of really all of the context of Scripture and all of the, the gospel kind of summed up in a little moment on a piece of paper, but for the sake of not having a very large piece of paper, I'll just write up here on this board. Uh, so we've messed up, right? The scenario is the world exists, and, and God, you know, knows there's people in it hanging out. I'm not a good drawer. No judge. No judging, right? And uh, so, but the world's kind of messed up. Maybe, maybe the things, I don't know how you see the world. I don't know if you watch the news. Some of you kind of hide from the news. Is there any hiders from the news? Because it's just all negative. Who wants to watch it anyway? Um, but, you know, maybe if you do, if you're reading the paper or you're reading blogs or whatever, you might notice there's like crazy hunger in the world. There's like starving kids and stuff. Some people can't stand the imagery. Sorry. Uh, uh, but, uh, you know, the reality is there's, there's kids that are hungry because there's famine in the world, and, and then there's kids that are thirsty, and we're doing something about that right now today by your being present today. You're making a global impact on the water crisis, and that's way cool, and I love that. And we'll tell you more about that later. Um, and and there, there's all kinds of, there's war. I mean, there's this dude in North Korea that could trip at any time and blow a gasket, and he's trying to get a bigger gasket to blow, you know? So if you're watching the news, you could be freaked out about the end of April. It's like nuclear time, and, you know, so there's all kinds of, there's all kinds of, there's earthquakes, and there's landslides. Anybody see the landslide on Woodby Island? Just took out, like, whoosh, where'd the island go? No, it's, it's still there. You're okay. But some of it's not. And so, the, you know, I think every day I hear Amtrak cannot travel because <laughs> there's been a landslide. I'm like, what the world? Put the tracks somewhere else. Okay, so here we are. Uh, so, but this world has just become like messed up. And so here we are in the middle of it, and we're trying to get to God, but like, like the mess just kind of, it's messed up our relationship 
with God. See, here's how God created everything. Let's go back to the beginning. In the beginning, God created this this world, and and you could read about this at the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, and and He created this beautiful garden, and 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 you know, and it created the peeps there, and they're they're chilling in the garden, and uh, they weren't ashamed, like they have complete unity with each other, they're in tight relationship with one another, they've got relationship with with God, and 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 all is good. They're in constant intimacy with God. They see the value in nature, and they're keeping uh, the land well. But then they just made kind of a, uh, well, before I get there, so basically the world was designed, and if you're a blank filler inner, this is like the only moment I had that on your notes, but uh, it was designed for good, the world was. We were designed to just be in total relationship with God, total relationship with the planet, being great stewards of everything. But we decided that we wanted to be in charge, and we wanted to be just as smart as God, and, and that was like the initial sin, right? We, we were lured in by being as smart as God was, and so selfishness came in. It resulted in, in relationships being broken, not only with each other, but with God, and, and it like almost, you know, it became our reality became that perspective of thinking God was just like angry at us. And like fear of God is a common language throughout the Old Testament. In all honesty, there was, there was judgment and there was anger and there was results of sin. And, and we see this, this played out. And, and so, you know, I guess you could say we were damaged by evil. Like, that became our reality. But here's what this whole moment of Easter and, and the death and resurrection of, of, of Jesus, here's what this moment is all about. We're still in a broken world, right? Here we are. Hello. Oh, that's, that's a pelvis. I'll just erase that. Uh, why did I draw two circles? That could get dangerous. My drawing is, is crazy. But uh, Jesus came into the world, right? And so this scenario exists of man having an opportunity to reunite with God in right relationship with God. God initiates this moment. He sends his son to earth. He comes in human form, all God, all man, to take upon himself all the selfishness and sin of the world, which gives us an opportunity for what? Hope again peace again. This is a great opportunity that we have. So I guess you could, you could title like this phase, Restored for Better. Like we have a better opportunity in life because we're restored again. We can, we can sow into the healthy aspects of life, the pillars of life, government and education and art and, and medicine and just all these things. We can, we can watch things flourish again. Relationships can bloom again. And, and we, can, we can become in deeper relationship with one another, uninhibited by the selfishness around us. And then you take that one step farther. And uh, you, you still have, right? Still got a messed up world. Can't fix that. It's messed up. And, uh, but here's the deal. Like all of us, are commissioned, if you will, 
through this relationship that we have an opportunity to embrace, to start to think the opposite that we thought here. And through God empowering us in relationship and opportunities to grow in relationship with Him, we have, we have the chance to, to get on mission together. So I would title this, On Mission Together. See, the, the, the gospel is so much more than just that. The gospel is the door that that opens. We all of a sudden gain understanding that we're here to actually make a difference in the world around us. We can actually meet physical, tangible needs of people in our community. So it inspires us to do things like a big give. Or we can, we can go and, and actually just totally unselfishly start relationship with people. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, bless people. Allow fun to happen more effectively in our community. And so we are stirred to action. And you might say, well, you know, why don't we just like jump from here? Because I don't know where you're at. If you don't watch the news, you might still think, man, everything, it's all good. There's nothing bad in the world around me. It's all perfect. And you might be hiding kind of in a bunker, untouched by the world. But the, um, then you have, you might be here and everything's messed up and you're like, well, I just want to make a difference in the world. I, I want to skip this whole Jesus thing because that gets the weird meter tripped out for me. So you're like, I'm going to jump over this this precipice of evil and bad, and I'm just going to go straight down here. But it doesn't, without Jesus, we don't have the strength to make it through all the crud in life. We need this, this strength of this relationship to make our way over here and make a difference in the world together. And I just wanted to kind of, I thought that was a, a beautiful way of drawing out really why God came and and it came among us through Jesus so that we could make a difference in the world around us. Not just a stagnant relationship, not just a moment where we confess to follow Jesus, but to actually allow it to begin to change our actions over time at our own pace. It's like God was just saying, by name, He's calling us to this relationship. And now he's putting names on our heart to go out and impact. I love this story of the gospel. And I love how it ends in the gospels. Believe it or not, the next verse is the one that I wanted to start with in this talk. But I really felt this urging towards God allowing us to know that he wants to call us by name today. But it all roots out of this moment following the resurrection. Let me catch you up to where we are. Jesus raises from the dead, and and Mary, this this gal makes it to the grave and sees that it's empty, and she freaks out, thinks somebody stole the body of Jesus. She goes and gets the disciples. They run there, and they're like, no, and an angel shows up. He's actually risen. You know, and they're like, I need depends. And it's this moment of terror, and they're like, do not be afraid. And so, uh, I don't know if you've watched the Bible on the History Channel, but if those angels ever showed up and read with swords, I would need depends. So, I'm just saying, it's crazy intense stuff. But so, I I am there, you know, and watching these disciples. They go back to this place, and Jesus appears to them, the disciples. But this other disciple, Thomas, is not there. So like everybody's in on it, Jesus shows up to everybody but Thomas. And so, I don't know, I'm kind of drawn to Thomas 
He's left out, right? And uh, it says this in John 20. It's going to tell Thomas's story. Thomas, called Didymus, one of the 12, 12 people like followed Jesus closely, says one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. And he's like, I didn't. You know, it's that moment. So here's how he phrases that. He said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I'll not believe it. A week later, that must have seemed like an eternity. If you're Thomas, a week later, like this is torturous, right? A week later. Later, the disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. I think some of you, let's pause here for a second before we continue on to the next passage. Some of you would get the most out of this talk a week from now. Because you've got to let it sink in that God knows you by name, and he's calling you by name. That he wants to go through life with you. That he won't, even if it's messy, he's going to walk with you. And he sent others that are thinking not about themselves. They're thinking, how can I be a blessing in your life and the world around you? Thomas, a week later, he didn't see the Lord personally before, but a week later, here we go. Jesus walked through the door, or, or although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. That's us. Right? But Jesus knows our doubts. Do you notice how he he went right to Thomas and he's like, okay, you, you said you doubted unless. What are your doubts? Have you verbalized them? Have you started the conversation? Because it might help you just to begin to process through your doubts to figure out what is God trying to do in my life? We have multiple opportunities for next step for you. But one of them that I I like right there on the back of your card is, uh, I want to, you know, please contact me about talking this faith thing out over a coffee. I'll buy. I'm there anyway. I'm just saying, you know, uh, just stop by a Starbucks. I'll probably be there. Anyway, that's, that's the reality is, is let's, let's talk it over because we need to express our doubts because it's Jesus is going to meet us right where our doubts are and say, stretch out your faith, touch me, feel me. I'm real for you. I love you. I came for you. I raised for you so that you could have not only life now but eternal life. What's the right next step for you? I want you to be blessed. And this says, blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. All that we've talked about is so that you can believe. Put your faith on Jesus. Choose to follow him. 
Others in this room, I don't know where you're at. So there's the, there's the one who just needs to have a conversation and express doubt. It's, it's like a week earlier than it needs to be. Others of you, you've expressed this doubt, and this is like you're weak. Jesus is making sense to you right now, and you're going, this is kind of resonating. You need to choose to follow him. Call out, my Lord and my God. Choose to follow Jesus today, or maybe you need to reconnect to him. Still, we've got all kinds of opportunities for you to, to, to put your faith on him. But just in case it hasn't made sense, just in case the menu is still confusing, I want to close with this video to make it completely clear as we consider what our next step is. Let's pray. God, I thank you for putting plain before us today that you have come for each of us individually. And we thank you for sending, risking everything by sending your son into this fallen world, messed up as it is, to take our sins upon himself in obedience all the way to a cross so that we could be cleansed of all the wrongdoing. But not only that, you, you allowed him to conquer death, hell, and and the grave and raise again three days later so that now we can put our hope in our future through relationship with you. We not only have the promise of life to the full now, we have a promise of eternal life. And, and so I pray for those in this room that are wherever they're at on their journey in relationship with you, that they would have the opportunity, God, to know what it is to have relationship that's growing with Jesus. It's why we exist, to be people leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus on mission with you. And I pray that right now you would encourage those in this room, maybe that have yet to ever make that choice. In my life 20 years ago, it changed everything. I pray if they've yet to make that choice that they would do so right now by simply inviting you into their life, embracing the story we've just read and uncovered in Scripture and just saying, Jesus, I choose you. I want to grow in relationship with you. And from this day forward, I want to progress and understand that you have a better world out there that I can be a part of making happen. God, maybe some need a week and they need the dialogue and they need to get their doubts out on the table. I pray that, God, we can have those conversations and and we could pray those prayers together. I just pray the journey would begin today. That everybody in this room would fill out those connection cards and check the appropriate next step for them. And maybe some are going to come back next week and learn how to walk through life with others. God, whatever that step is, whatever they need to do to get to peace and hope, May they take that step of obedience today. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you contemplate that a little farther as the worship team leads us in another song this morning?